Holy fuck, we're the big 2-0. 20 episodes of the Rub Wrestling Podcast. Get your cigars out, or what Josh would say, get your canagars out, which are cannabis cigars. Pull something out, grab a drink in your hand, and let's give everybody a great big cheers for this. 20 fucking episodes. Way to go, boys. Congratulations. Um, we're going to get to our illustrious panel in a second, but as you know, as I just said, we are the Rub Wrestling Podcast, uh, coming to you from various basements across Ontario, which is fantastic. If you need to find us, you can find us on any place that has a podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google, Apple. We're also on YouTube. You can hit us up there, like, follow, subscribe, or fuck you. That's basically what I like to say about that. But... We are on there. We also have an email address. If you want to hit us up, talk about rumors, any questions for the show, uh, the rub wrestling at outlook.com. You can let us know and you, and, and you can take any of the questions for myself, Josh or Chris boys. We had 20 episodes. I never, ever thought we would get there. Um, I don't know if you guys did guys. Did you ever think we get to 20 episodes? Seriously? Nah. Number 20 on Friday, the 13th of all things. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. You know how I have my leading questions, right, Chris? I'm I'm never gonna not have a leading question. Josh's is a lot worse than yours, but I'm I, I got one for you. It is Friday the thirteenth today. SmackDown will be coming on in about twenty two minutes because we had some technical difficulties, but whatever. We'll watch that later. We can always go back. But Chris, for Halloween coming up and Friday the thirteenth, and potentially on your Shutter account or whatever you're gonna watch on your TV, who is the best slasher flick villain? In any horror movie. I don't care who it is. I just want to know who's your favorite. Tell me now. Uh, Freddy Krueger, clearly. There's there's comedy there's comedy in there with the kills. So Freddy Krueger takes it for me. Roach Motels, Chris. They check in, but they don't check out. <laughs> I think that's the fifth one. So, But, yeah, I would have to agree. He's definitely on the top of my list. I'm a big fan of Pinhead, just to let you know as well, Chris. Because one of my favorite lines is, he's like, if you, uh, what does he say? He says, if you break our trust, I'll tear apart your soul or something like that. And that just kind of stands out to me. Now, Josh, I have a harder question for you. Um, it's more about Major League Baseball. Um, Chris is a, a big baseball guy, but you, you're also a massive baseball guy. Um, do you think Trevor Bauer is going to sue Major League Baseball for like $200 million? After what we've heard all this week. And don't, we don't have to get into details. I just want your thoughts. Will he pitch in the majors? Is he going to sue Major League Baseball for $200 million? And will the woman that basically did it, is she going to go to jail at some point? Uh, yes, no, no. Yes, he will sue Major League Baseball just because that seems like who he is. No, I still don't think he's going to play in the majors again. And no, I do not think she will go to jail because I believe they both withdrew their cases against each other. Um, it would be hard to prove a case against her. Um, but I do think that Trevor Bauer is destined to sue the major leagues or major league baseball, just because that seems like the type of person he is, regardless of the situation, uh, regardless of what happened, uh, only the two of them really know what happened. So it's, uh, don't really have much to comment. I don't think he'll play again. Um, and my favorite, uh, slasher person, even though I'm not a big horror movie guy, and this goes back to, I believe Matt's, it might be your eighth or 10th birthday. <laughs> Uh, we went to Blockbuster Video, and Matt's mom was quite cool. She picked out two horror movies. I think it was uh, Friday the 13th, number eight, and Child's Play. I can't remember which one it was, the but either one. way. It was the first Child's the Play, first but Child's I think Play. You, the funny thing is, I think you actually got the Friday the 13th right. Which yeah, Friday the 13th, eight. eight. It was number eight, and I remember there was a scene where he was in the sauna, and he grabbed one of the hot hot rocks and like killed a guy like that and so jason's always been my uh go to him number one leprechaun number two. Oh, crazy leprechaun is and the funny part about leprechaun is that warwick davis who was also in willow also played the leprechaun in in those movies so that's fantastic that's just a little piece of imdb you know tidbits if you want to know um, but if you're both on TikTok, just to let you know that uh, the, the, the woman in the Trevor Bauer case has just been getting ripped apart by female reporters left, right, and center. It's crazy. But we're not talking about that anymore. Let's start talking about another form of, I don't even want to know, head-to-head -head combat or what I like to call this one for the start of the show, tribal combat, which is basically NXT and AEW 
went head-to-head on a Tuesday night and also had 20 minutes of, like, I think, or 30 minutes of no advertising in the first half hour of the show. Brought to you by Christian, by the way. Brought to you by Christian and by Christian Cage, according to the announcers. But hey, when you're looking at a lot of stuff, big uh, big numbers and weird things coming out there. We'll talk a little bit about the ratings um, just to start. So NXT drew a little bit better um, than uh, AEW did. So basically, for demographics, NXT averaged about a 921,000 viewers and drew a, a point thirty. Uh, for the 18 to 49 demo, uh, but AEW uh, averaged less at 609, but we're, we're only about 0.4 down in the demographics. And we're going to kind of tie this in with our next comments. Um, basically, NXT really promoted some big names for this show. Asuka, um, The Undertaker. I, I'm not sure if there was an appearance by Shawn Michael, but John Cena was there too. Like, there was just some, like, WWE really went all out where it felt like uh, AEW just kind of tried to stay the course. They did a title Tuesday type show. Um, Chris was mentioning it felt a lot like Nitro, which is can be a good thing, can be a bad thing, <laughs> but um, really, really interesting. So, um, Josh, we're going to start with you. It's like Tony Khan really seemed to put uh, a lot of his eggs in the basket for this. And, you know, it, it's really odd because, you know what, both companies are coming out telling the fans that they don't really want this tribalism and that, you know, AEW, if you support AEW, you support WWE, it's just great for the wrestling business as, as a whole. But it looks like from business to business, owner to owner, they really challenged each other here. They were going head to head. Um, do you think that TK kind of stepped out of line with some of his comments a little bit when he was kind of talking about Vince and certain things? Booker T feels that way, and some people in the wrestling community do. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole situation with uh, with Tony Khan and some of the comments he made about Vince's uh, allegations? Uh, well, I mean, are they allegations that he made or are they truths that he was speaking? He, he did say that, I, I mean, I don't remember the exact quote. He made uh, reference to him paying off, uh, you know, for sex, whatever, paying off people for the issues that they had. Regardless, uh, I think this is the way Tony Khan does things. Uh, I'm kind of like, it is what it is. Uh, it's kind of like a little brother attitude. I think it's above WWE, but it's very clear based on how WWE booked NXT that they're very cognizant of what AEW is doing and what Tony is doing. Um, they don't really, I don't think that it really matters to them what Tony says. He can he can be the troll and until he does what they do, it doesn't really fucking matter to them. Um, but they're very, very clearly paying attention. Tony... It is, it's, I don't know. It, he seems like such a, like, a meek kind of person in, in person. And then when he gets on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, it's like he's a fucking maniac. Um, you know, like he's never been punched in the face in his life kind of attitude. And uh, I, it's not, I'm not super keen on, on it, but I do prefer his product. So he can keep on saying what he wants, I guess. I'm just hoping that it doesn't end up uh, running amok of the product that he is offering because uh, it doesn't need to be soured for me. I think it's, it's great the way it is. Yeah, I think one of the things for me, and uh, Chris, we'll get into your thoughts here in a second, is just that, you know what, Tony, somebody said it best on Twitter, Tony really has lightning in a bottle with AEW, and it, it, it's just best if he just shuts his mouth. He doesn't really have to do anything. That's my personal opinion. Just let the content and everything speak for itself, because WWE right now, no matter what they say about AEW, um, they can sit there and say, well, we don't view them as a competitor, this, this, this. Bullshit. Like, if... If they literally did what they had to do on Tuesday night to get whatever they had to do to try and fight to see what it was to prove that they were the number one show, they did everything that they possibly could. Chris, do you agree with that statement? Do you think Tony should just kind of cool it? Um, do you think that everything should play out? And uh, do you think tribalism is is something when you're kind of talking about WWE fans and AEW fans is something that they should just kind of all uh, kumbaya and just get along? What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I think we should all just kind of kumbaya and get along because even even Seth Rollins is saying on stuff that like the 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 atmosphere of professional wrestling right now is so good. Like, there's so much out there. Like for a long time, it was just WWE, and then now the indies are getting there, and and even Impact runs their own shows that not a lot of us watch, but there's actually good stuff there. Um, and even with their, like, if you look, like, they pulled out all this. They brought The Undertaker back. Undertaker went in the ring and, and like, like put some hands on somebody. 
They still didn't break a, a million. Breaker. Chokeslam Braun Breaker. But they still didn't break a million. So like it's 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 a victory, but it's not a huge victory if you think about it. And I I agree with with what Josh says. Like they we can see they don't have to say it explicitly, but we can see by the booking and, and what they're doing. They're they're running Wembley with John Cena now. We can see that they're taking them seriously. They're because and it's this is great. This is only like way better for us. This is only way better. Chris, do you think that the tribalism between fans should just end? Like, do you think that just it's just stupid? Like, really? Like, do you think that there really is? Like, does there have to be really an AEW fan versus a WWE fan? Or is it just something, is it just personal preference at this point that happens between person to person? Well, it's like, it's it's tough to say. I mean, every everybody has their own individual tastes, right? Like, we, us three, we like, we like wrestling. We like a good product. We like whatever we see. To us, it, and yeah, we are a little more pro AW. I think we, we talked before this pod too. We like the product more. We like the wrestling more. They they do their like uh, they do their promo heavy episodes at the right time. It's not every show you're you're leading in with a thirty minute promo. I I just find I I don't mind. I like WWE pay per views because there's less talking, so that's why I like them more. But. I mean, I find with WWE, it's harder for me to watch because, uh, like, I like that more when when the promo heavy episodes come every once and so often. They have a reason to be there, but I just find with the WWE product, it's just it it's hard. Like, I know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, it is a bit predictable. I think I have to agree with what you're saying, and I think it is. It's it's also tailored to a different demographic, which is kind of funny. And it's funny that I think the big win when you kind of look at the NXT thing is the the, the rating in the eighteen to forty nine demo. I would have thought that um, <clears throat> AEW would have would have beat them in that demo, but basically AEW, if you would have matched them viewer for viewer, I think AEW would have crushed them in that demographic by probably double in a way, right? So it, it's kind of a, it's a very small victory for what you want to say for NXT. And, and, and you know what? I have to agree with what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of shows. Like, if you watch NXT on a regular basis, I watch both programming. Um, we all try to watch as much programming as we can. Chris, I know that you've been watching some Impact. You got Josh Alexander coming to Sudbury at some point. You can talk about that later. Um, you know, it, it, it's really interesting to kind of see that there's a lot of good product in that show. Like, like Dragonov was great. Like, the Brawling Brutes showing up on Tuesday night and fighting Gallus and uh, with, fighting Gallus and whoever it was with Tyler Bate. Like, that was probably one of the best matches of the night. And you know what? You're looking at, uh, you know, Hayes and Breaker. Like, it, it, like, they stacked that show to the point it was ridiculous. Like, Cody was the GM for the night. LA Knight was, uh, was the special guest referee. They pulled out all the stops. And AEW just did what they normally do. <laughs> And AEW only had to switch because of baseball. AEW didn't switch on purpose. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it's not gonna three hundred thousand with all those names isn't. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, sorry. I think we both are, and we're on. I'm on a little bit of a delay, so my fault. You can we can edit this out later if you want, or we can just leave it in because we normally do. But I think that the movement there is because of the TBS or the TNT with the Braves, right? And so with the Braves being out, I don't know if it's going to even happen again. So it's a, it's unfortunate. But I'll let you continue with your thought. Go ahead. I just I I don't think uh, three hundred thousand viewers more and not breaking a, a million with the Undertaker and John Cena on the card. I I don't think it's it's not a lot to brag about. Uh, Josh, we kind of talked about... Yeah, absolutely. We just talked about Tony a little bit, and Tony kind of said that... um, Do you think Tony was right in in mentioning, and we'll kind of segue into our next topic in a second, we'll kind of lead off with this in a way. Um, Do you think Tony was right for saying, in regards to kind of the uh, the older generation, like The Undertaker and John Cena, they said it was... I think he said... And this isn't verbatim, but he basically said it's the first time in 20 years where basically they, with them on a show, they drew under 1 million viewers on a, on a, on a show. Do you think he was okay to say that? Do you, or do you think he's out of line by saying that? I mean, I don't think it, again, I don't think it really matters. Uh, I would say, like, what was NXT's best rating of the year? How, how did this compare to their previous best rating? Is this something that, like, did they improve it? considerably is this kind of where they would normally sit i i I think the problem with what tony's doing is that 
unless he starts beating them consistently, you know, then like really like he's got to put his money where his mouth is, right? Like he's putting on a great product. And I agree with what Chris had said earlier. I, the reason that we like AEWs is that because they put on wrestling matches and that's kind of where they focus and the wrestling matches are good. Um, and the storyline's lacking a little bit in some places, but I, I just find that, you know, if you were to go like pound for pound in, you know, WWE versus AEW, if you want to digest wrestling content, then AEW is your clear winner because they're actually giving you, you know, several matches and they're, you're seeing significant changes in the stories because they're, they're having different winners, the people that you never thought would lose to people that, that they lost to. And so I think that's kind of where, for me, it, it's more interesting that way. I, I think that Tony runs the risk of, uh, you know, having WWE focus a little bit more on him and trying to take down AEW. And I think that, like, you know, it, it might be a detriment to them. I'm hoping that they can fight back. But I think that if WWE starts doing all of these things, bringing these guys back regularly, um, that it could be detrimental. But I just think that, like, those, you know, bringing back The Undertaker, like, it's kind of like a pay-per-view. They brought those guys back, and for them not to do a million maybe that's a big deal because like those guys only show up once a year and but the problem is is there's really nothing happening they don't add to the story john cena being there doesn't add anything to the story for me right like he's just there to have a stupid tag match or to like you know win get the fans excited but like really it doesn't add to the storyline and what they need to do is find a way for roman reigns story to like conclude sooner rather than later and create some new stars yeah, I think I think that's an excellent point, and I think bringing up John Cena is kind of going into our next topic. And Chris, when we're kind of talking about, um, basically, you have some of the older generation like that, uh, you know, the uh, the ruthless ruthless aggression and attitude era stars coming back into NXT, and um, I think we've all at one point watched NXT in 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 its heyday never had those stars. When you're looking at NXT at its absolute peak when it was being run by Triple H. Um, and it was being run as a successful third brand, it was literally arguable that that was the best brand on WWE programming. So do you agree with bringing back all of these stars to come in, like having Becky Lynch hold the NXT title, like having Asuka come in and basically crush Roxanne Perez, and and all these things kind of happening? Like, does this make sense? Or is this just something to just kind of grab some headlines and just call it a day and then go back to normal next week? Uh, I, I think it hurts the NXT product and what, what the idea of NXT is, to be honest with you. Like to, to have these to have these like main roster people come down and start taking like main I, I feel like it's we're going for ratings instead of going like the whole point of NXT when Triple H literally literally scoured the indies and brought everybody over. The whole point, they didn't need any of these guys. They didn't need any of these wrestlers to come down because, like, the product, product was great. Remember the old the old black and gold was fantastic to watch. Yeah. We had, we had so many classic matches that came out of there, and then when it went to 2.0, I was just over it. And then now it's like Triple H is back in charge, but now they're trying to bring all the main, like, what what are we watching NXT for then if all the main roster people are coming? I just I, I guess I, I, I think it's all a ratings thing. They just wanna wanna boost up the show's ratings and to say that NXT beats because we we know that uh Raw and Raw and SmackDown's gonna beat AEW. We just know that's how it is, right? But now now they it looks like they wanna put NXT in there and to like the Undertaker on NXT. Could you ever imagine that before? The Undertaker hasn't been on Raw, SmackDown, or a PLE in like two years. He's like, if if we're watching him on anything, we're watching the last ride on Sportsnet Plus. Let's be for real. We're not watching him on NXT. So and like, how like, much? How much places, do you think he got paid to do that? He probably got paid paid a lot of money to do that for an NXT show. He might have been. He's also on a Legends deal too, right? Like, so he's probably one of those guys that'll be paid for the rest of his life from WWE. No, no doubt. And they like, booked um, him. They booked him to get physical. So you think about it, right? You think is he coming back, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, Josh, you kind of look at something like that. Like, 
Would you rather see people going back, kind of like LA Knight or Cody, in like, or even Becky Lynch having a title like sporadically, like maybe as a one-off from here or there, like Don Mysterio, instead of having like all of the the older generation people come back? Because it seems like the newer generation, obviously, they're younger. They can obviously go in the ring. They have some physicality. They can. There's probably a, a benefit to them being there in the sense that they can probably help develop some of that talent. But is there really a benefit for what I'd like to say the old timers coming back and really kind of guiding that guiding that talent any way, shape, or form? In your opinion? No, I think that if they if they wanted to get back what they had with uh, the NXT Golden Black, is that they just need to like bite the bullet and bring back some fucking solid indie wrestlers to help develop their their rising stars and create a product that's actually you know worth watching with their consistent stars. I. I, I if they're going to create three brands that are all very strong, then they need to like keep those main roster people on NXT and then have NXT travel. But like, that's not really what NXT is for. So I would say that uh, it doesn't hurt it. It's going to definitely raise it up, but it's definitely going to hinder the advancement of your young NXT talent. And I think that that's what's more important with that is that you, you're using NXT to build your future Raw and SmackDown superstars. And if you're just bringing back... You can't have Becky Lynch lose every time she goes down. So she's going to have the title for a little while and then lose however she loses. But I just think it kind of sullies the brand for me. And yeah, you've built, you built NXT's fan base to be NXT's fan base. So it's kind of when the main roster comes in, they don't really want to see those people, right? No, for sure. And I think you look at a lot of cases when you're kind of playing it out too. It's like NXT's roster is solid. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, people might not look at, at... We talked about Gallus and Tyler Bate and the people that they hired from the UK that when they did the whole UK tournament and all that stuff, that the people that they've developed that came out of uh, Progress and the stuff out of UK, they're, they're all tearing it up. Like, I mean, they might not be in the capacity that we want, but, like, Pete Dunner, Butch is there. Ridge Holland's there. I mean, you're looking at Dragunov. Like, Dragunov, we have Gunter. Like, you look at all those people that came from that that ended up transitioning into NXT when they basically disbanded NXT UK. Triple H should be absolutely commended for what he's done there. The problem is, storyline-wise, do you have the right formula or the right recipe to bring them over? And I think that's the biggest challenge. We've seen time and time again, a lot of people that have transitioned over don't necessarily transition over very well. We've been very lucky with a few stars, right? And it would have been really interesting to see how it would be. Like, you look at, like, we just mentioned Butch. Like, Butch is great. Like, he's great in the ring. Josh loves his finger manipulation. Like, it's fantastic when you're looking at a lot of the stuff with that. But you, you kind of look now, and I, you kind of look at how domi- dominant Karrion Cross was. And he's just basically fallen off the map. And now, like, we're hearing rumors, oh, there's big things for Karrion Cross. It's like, why? We've we've tried like three times with this guy. It doesn't work. He's he's the WWE version of Wardlow, and and that's just basically what it is. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens moving forward. I mean, but I think that the roster is there really to do some damage. It's I don't think it it, it matches what they had at its peak, but I don't think anything really will. Like those were Chris exactly what you said. Those and what Josh said. Those are the best indie wrestlers on the fucking planet that they picked up at that point. And then you add in Shinsuke Nakamura to the mix, and that's even crazier when you think about it, right? Yeah, just so, just look at rundown NXT, NXT's champions and see like it's 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 like an all star list. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I wish Robert Roode got a better shake. But you know what? At least he has a really good job with the WDB, so I'm happy for him. <laughs> so, anyways, to our final topic, uh, talking about kind of WWE. I know we talked a little bit about AEW there, and we'll have some AEW topics coming up more, more or less. This point of the show is going to be more about the storylines we're talking. So, obviously, at Payback, we saw Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso basically win the tag titles. Or whatever it was the next night. I can't remember. Anyways, they, they're, they're the tag team champions at any point. Um, you know, kind of a little bit of a unique pairing. Cody goes out on a limb for Jay. Um, they kind of switch over, go to SmackDown, do a bunch of shit over there, and then basically win the tag titles um, from uh, the um, the Judgment Day, I believe. So, pretty interesting. A lot of fun stuff basically happened to win those undisputed tag team titles. Um, Chris, we'll kick it off with uh, after the win in the press conference. Um, is Yeet going to be a new thing 
for Jey Uso moving forward because that was definitely one of the most entertaining press conferences I think I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, that was good. I, I, I watched that. I, I didn't watch the event, but I did watch the press conference. Apparently, they are both loaded during the whole thing. And then, uh, they so were the Yeet, opening match. <laughs> so, so Yeet's a thing because Cody said it. Well, I think so. Jay was walking around back and forth, just saying yeets, and then at one point, like Cody, the funny, the one of the funniest moments was Cody was say he said, you, you, "Jay was like, do you know what I'm saying? Or you, do you feel me? You feel me?" And he goes, and then Cody's like, "Sir, do you feel? Do you feel him?" <laughs> like they were just. He even said he goes, "Yeah, we were on the tour bus. We we're on the bus, and we had a bunch of libations, and that's basically where we're at." Like, <laughs> but it was one of the first times where you saw those guys kind of unscripted. And just kind of being themselves, and it played off really, really well. Josh, did you actually enjoy that from what you saw at any point? I didn't, I didn't see it. Oh, it's okay. So then I'll I didn't see the presser. I saw then. the match, but I saw the press. I didn't see the presser. I can so, jump in Josh, though, a little bit more. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Before I get to Josh, uh, Chris, you can finish your thought there. So, like, I I like this stuff when they're when they're allowed to be more real. And finally, WWE is doing like pressers, and they're allowing them to be more real and say some more real stuff. Because I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite parts of pro wrestling in the, in the last while is having all these older guys like Undertaker break kayfabe all of a sudden and tell us like the real stories and, and the real things that happen. Yeah. And we see that in AEW. We see that with MJF, like, commending Edge on his career. We see Edge come out and talk about Jay, even though they're in a feud. He's saying how, like, this is this is Jay. This is this is Christian. This is, the, like, what he can do, and he's allowed to be off on his own. So uh, I commend WWE for letting them do that, and I think that's a lot of, a lot of Triple H involved. But, uh, like, I love it. I, I love seeing the real side of wrestling. I love hearing the real stories, how things went wrong, how you fixed it. it was, that's my favorite part. So I like the WWE's kind of, kind of embracing that a little bit more now. Yeah, it's promotional sleight of hand, right? Now, Josh, for, for you, um, I know you didn't see the presser like you just said, but my question is, when you're looking at Cody and Jay as a tag team together and being the tag team champions, it's kind of a little bit... Kind of like, I don't think it's the same as Owens and Zayn holding it, but Owens and Zayn at the same time were kind of having their stories kind of meshed together. Um, my question to you ends up being a little bit vague, but I kind of want to see what your thoughts are. How does Cody finish the story from here? With Jay being the tag team champions, does it end up leading to something different? How does he finish the story with Roman being where he is right now? Yeah, I mean... I think with the the way that they have the titles is that maybe this is going to be like a test of honor for Jey Uso where he, you know, Cody starts to challenge uh, Roman because he moves to SmackDown or he wins the Royal Rumble or however he gets his title shot with Roman back. And then that puts Jey to the test um, of whether or not his, you know, tag, tag team with uh, Cody is more of his alliance than his bloodline with uh, Roman Reigns. I, I'm not sure. It, it could just be a little blip to keep the story going until Cody, until him and Cody lose, and then, then Cody inserts himself in, with Roman Reigns in the future. It's kind of, I don't think, have they talked about who was going to replace Jay? Because there was a promo from Cody earlier. I haven't been watching as much uh, WWE. So I'm not sure have they said who replaced Jay from the SmackDown or from the Raw roster to the SmackDown. Because that was kind of like, seems like Cody was going in that direction. And then they put the tag titles on them. So I was kind of confused. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit. I think it was like uh, kind of like in hockey. It was kind of like uh, to something to be named later, right? Player to be named later. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I mean I, that that I could be exactly what it is. Really switched over, but uh, I don't I don't know I'm it I don't know where it's gonna go. I think you know maybe WWE doesn't really know where it goes. I still think that it leads to Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for some reason, but I, maybe that'll change. Who knows what The Rock's doing? <laughs> it's it's really tough to say what's what's kind of gonna happen i think it's uh it's gonna kind of potentially kick some people uh like in the teeth when they figure out what what actually is the plan when they're looking at it so it depends uh, when the actor strike ends yeah pretty much right and uh and and to get all these uh all the older guys off of wwe tv i think will be a godsend um 
Now, um, with that being said, we're going to switch over to AEW and we're going to kick it off with uh, with what you know, kind of we talked about like you guys' favorite stuff was like no finishes. We're going to talk about one of my favorite things, which is when a team comes in and literally squashes another team for a title. And so, on Collision last week, we actually saw Big Bill and Ricky Starks basically isolate FTR, do a lot of damage. Uh, few choke slams of cash wheeler later and basically we had new tag team champions on uh, in the opening match of collision just kind of out of nowhere and i think that's what really kind of hit i mean it was for me i was like i just remember sending a text to the group saying hey guys we got new tag champs and then on and then on payback when when that was playing too it was like oh we got new tag champs there it was almost at the exact same time so it was, that was a little weird but um with that being said Starks and Bill, we were talking earlier and uh, this podcast, we have definitely made it known for our love of good tag team wrestling. Chris, um, basically, do you think that Starks and Bill are a good choice to kind of take the titles off of FTR at this point? Like, do you think that it's good for FTR to kind of walk out with the titles, especially with looming matches with the Bucks coming up where the titles don't have to be on the line for it to be like the greatest match of all time? Uh, I don't know. It, like something's got to be up to take the belts off FTR. Like, uh, and I I love the pairing of of Bill and Starks. It's almost it's almost like Michaels and Diesel, right? You have you have your little guy who can do this stuff, and then your your big guy can come into the power. And like props to Big Bill. Like he went and did his work, and now he's back, and now he's getting an opportunity. Now he has a belt. Like good for him. Um, so. I like seeing. I I don't understand how it happened. I don't know why they would come and squash FTR. Like, is is FTR? Is there an issue? Josh, you, you say there's an issue. You can go ahead, lead it off. I think I heard that Cash is injured, and that uh, that's what happened. Is that he got hurt legitimately, or he was hurt before the match, and so they did the table spot to get him out of the match. And then it was a very easy squash of, uh, of uh, Dax. Uh, but that's what I think I read was that cash was hurt. I agree that it was kind of weird when I saw it, it was, I mean, it was great to see, but it's just weird that they would bury their, like basically the greatest tag team of all time. Like that's kind of that, that's what was weird to me. Not that they won, but how they won. So I suspect that there was an injury with Wheeler and it either happened early in the match and they called an audible or it happened before the match or, you know, a week before whatever it was. And, you know, they, they, they made it happen like this to make uh, Bill and Ricky Starks very strong. And, I mean, it's really easy to do because Bill's a fucking monster. So you don't expect those guys to be able to just beat up Bill one-on-one. And I like, I like when they book a monster like that. But it was almost a throwaway match, so it's weird to see the titles change on a throwaway match, right? So, something's I up. To, I have to disagree with both of you when it comes down to this, and I'll tell you why. So, um, I actually heard an opposite report um, where it said that there was nothing that actually happened. Nobody was injured. Cash actually came out and said that he really wasn't injured and that there wasn't a scenario there. Um I think when you're kind of looking at it, I, I don't necessarily think that this buries FTR. I think I think what you said at the end, Josh, is kind of you're you're trying to build a new tag team out of nothing, and I think that makes it a little bit harder to do when, you know, Starks and Bill haven't had a lot of matches. Um, I don't think it was a throwaway match at all, Chris. When you're kind of looking at it, I think there is something to this. We just don't know really what it is, Josh. I'm not saying you're wrong with any of the reports you read. And I'm not saying because I can't give you a, a guarantee of wherever I read it, but I just remember reading an article saying like kind of it's kind of talking about we were going to talk about Orange Cassidy in that title tonight, and there was a lot of situations there with injuries where Moxley where they were talking about Moxley carrying the title longer. There wasn't a lot of information about this. I, I think the reality for me, and, and I could be wrong, you guys can speak up on it. I think this is really going to kind of bring FTR and Young Bucks sooner rather than later. And I know that that's something that we were kind of talking about. Maybe that's not what we want to see. But I think with those two, with the titles not on the line, I think there's something different there. And I think that the titles, I don't know if it's me, like, it just they kind of wreck it. It's like, if you've watched the FTR and the Bucks, when they didn't have the titles on, they were actually better. 
some of the matches were actually better. It was it was really really odd when you kind of go through it. So I, I don't I don't know where they're going. I don't have all the details. We don't have all the details, but um, I I thought it was a good move. We were talking about before about how the tag team division is really weak, and I think this kind of gives you another tag team you can really run off of. I feel what you're saying there. With taking the tag titles out of the equation, you can put the Bucks against FTR again. It doesn't have to be about the titles, so that match actually kind of makes more sense without the titles at this point. But don't the Young Bucks still, get a guaranteed title shot with their win? Like, it's not that they're not yes. they're not going to face FTR. They're going to face Bill and Starks. Maybe they get squashed as well. And now that I'm reading even more, I did read early on that there was a chance that Cash Wheeler had broken his ribs, but now I'm reading a different report that that's not true. And so I now concur with you, Matt. Um, from what it sounds like is that uh, Dax actually wanted to make these guys look really strong, so that's how they booked it, and it was easy to do by taking cash out of the picture with the the early table, which is good. Could have been a disqualification, though, right? Yeah, it could have been. And I think in a lot of cases, when you're looking at that's kind of like kind of the, the the little details we talk about AEW, right? But I think one of the funny things we're seeing here, and if you're not if you're not if we kind of take ourselves out of this match and we kind of go back to Dynamite, we go to the next night, the next show, and you basically look at Hobbs literally just beating the living shit out of Chris Jericho. We're starting to see a little bit of that changing of the guard now. So, Chris, you like to say it, it's, 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 we're now proverbially giving you the rub. Um, and, and that's really what they're trying to do now. They're trying to really start to create these guys, and I think that they're starting to see that maybe the time is now, right? Um, and that's the problem with FTR. Like, who do you put up? You can only put them against the Lucha Brothers so many times. You can only put them against the Bucks so many times. They need other people to fight. And, I, and, and you know, we're going to talk about... Bullet Club Gold. I don't think the guns are ready to 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 be that good. Those guys that step in, right? Like on a regular basis, or to have a six month feud with. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I, I hope somebody beats the shit out of them because that's that's what I'm going to talk about about Bullet Club Gold. Like, I was actually angry when I was watching them the other night, and I like I I say what Josh says now, which is you know what that just means they're doing their jobs, right? <laughs> so I think it was it was really good to put over Bill and Starks. Starks, no matter what you say at any point is going to be uh, a star for the future in the next three to five years. Um, he's already there, but he's going to be a superstar. And I think that's really what it is. And I agree with the sentiment on Bill, Chris. That guy's put in the work for the last five years, all the personal things that he did. It was well-deserved, you know, like all the the drinking and the rehab and everything he had to go through to get back to where he was. And this is like kind of, I don't want to say it's the pinnacle for him, but this is like kind of the cherry on top, right? Well, for sure. Like, and they didn't. They didn't push him as soon as he got there. Like, they they kind of made him prove himself, and and like, good for him. Like, he got in the best shape, and and he's fixed himself up. And it didn't. It took him over a year in here to hold a belt. So, I mean, it's it's all. And, and I like storylines like that from behind, right? You see people's personal personal stuff, and they've sure. worked their way up. And luckily, like Tony, Tony gave him a chance. Tony gave him a chance, and now Tony's like, look at this guy. I, I got something here. I think a lot of this started with Scott Demore too, right, in Impact. I think he's the guy that really gave him the first shot. He went back out in the indies a little bit, did a couple indie shows, and people are like, he looks great. And I don't think you're ever going to turn down a seven-foot guy that's in, in incredible shape that can do what he can do in the ring. I mean, I think you said it best. It's like he's, like, he's, the, he's the modern-day Diesel. He's just, mm. I don't know if he's as smart or as good on the mic as Kevin Nash is, but some of that will develop with time. Kevin Nash developed that in, in, you know, with him coming in a little bit later to the game, he kind of was a little bit more wiser to people and stuff where Bill doesn't necessarily have that yet, but in five years he might. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens with that. Now we're just talking about Bullet Club Gold. We'll get into the main event of Dynamite for our final topic after this, but Bullet Club Gold, we got two words for you. Guns up. And then basically, it, like, very, very crazy new entrance they have now where they kind of do that 360 entrance, which is really cool. Um, we're going to kick it off mostly with basically Jay White versus Hangman, which was a really good match. We've been talking about how reliable Jay White's been. Uh, he's going to be in the main event of Full Gear against MJF. That's going to be an amazing match um, going forward. And, and there was a promo after this match. So Jay White's big thing in this match, you know, did a really good job of 
working over and telling the story. I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Hangman's knee that they were working on um, in the match. And I think a lot of it, when you're kind of going across, Jay White's big thing was talking about how he was 4-0. He's basically stolen the title from MJF and, and holding on to the Triple B. And um, Bullet Club Gold is turning in for me, and I don't know about you guys, as potentially the number one heel group. Um, you know, so much, so many good things you can say about them. Still a little bit raw with juice in the guns compared to Jay White. Like, Jay White is, like, polished, where the other three kind of aren't. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on Bullet Club Goal as a whole? Like, are they, do you honestly agree that they're probably the best <coughs> set of heels? Because the work that they did, I think, on Wednesday night was unbelievable to, to really getting over as that heel group. I, I think in AEW, their group is definitely, the, well, no, no, Don Callis is definitely the best heel group. Uh, right now in AEW, but I for me because I, I really like what he's doing. But I th- I agree that with the story that's going on with Jay White, um, Bullet Club Gold is the top top two uh, factions, heel factions. I'd say Judgment Day is probably the number one across all of the brands right now, just because they get so much fucking heat. Um, but uh, yeah, Bullet Club Gold. I agree. Jay White's definitely the star of that group. Juice Robinson's. Kind of like you know a fun uncle maybe and uh, but his comments with the quarters that was kind of hit home like it's kind of like racy with you know with the with the comment with the quarters so that's it's good um, but uh, the buck the guns I agree as well I maybe their in ring abilities improving it's hard to tell because they're in so many trios matches right now and you don't get to or so many in like multi way matches I'd like to see them work a good uh, a good twenty five to thirty minute match with like FTR or the Bucks or even the Lucha Brothers and like see them get run through their paces I think that they they are much improved. Um, and they're they're relatively reasonable on the mic, I think. Like they're not terrible, um, but uh, their pedigree—they're definitely some fucking athletes for sure. Can't hear you. Well, sorry, Steve. Did I've only done that twice in twenty episodes, guys. I just left it on mute. Fucking idiot. Um. Anyways, Chris, what I was saying is I think like this whole story was kind of from the beginning to the end, going in from Jay White to Hangman and then going into this massive promo where MJF came out was like it was a really excellent piece of storytelling. We still have Jay White not believing MJF what he's saying. We have MJF like looking almost distraught that he doesn't have his title and then with the whole quarter thing he's kind of losing it and then he's kind of doing the whole in the back back of uh, the dressing room he's trying to call Adam and then... Like, we're, we're still missing bits and pieces to this story, but um, I think it was really uh, an unbelievable piece of storytelling. You know, with with Jay White over the next couple of weeks, like, what do you think is really going to happen with Jay White? Like, I, I'm starting to believe more and more with each passing week that Jay White is uh, an extremely dangerous opponent for MJF in, in potentially taking that title um, and doing something different. I mean, the problem here is that really... We don't really have much information about the the devil storyline. So, what are your thoughts about this whole this whole kind of uh, storyline coming together? It's almost like three different stories in one, almost in a way, right? Yeah, it's 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 great, and like to give to give Jay that like when he came in, it didn't seem like they were going to go this direction, and then all of a sudden they they put him in. I I love the belt stealing things. I'm I'm a fan of any time anytime a heel comes and steals the belt from somebody. I like that. And now he's defending it. Like he claims he's defending the belt, which which I love at the same time. And he calls it the triple B of the bang bang belt, which is also good. Um I don't know, it's it's one of my favorite storylines right now. And I think it's I think it's AEW's I think it's AEW's Cody Cody storyline. We don't know who those mass men were. There's there's so many variables out there that it could be. Um, I just I follow it. It's 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 the thing I follow the most in wrestling right now. Is like I get excited for that. I shut my wife up for that. And uh, <laughs> so like yeah, I say like I think she listens. You got to be careful. She's a listener. No, I know. Yeah, you better. That's why I'm laughing. Sorry, You're gonna sorry. Be no, I don't buddy. shut her up. But I say like, Shh, you gotta, you gotta be quiet. Like Jay White sucks. Like who the fuck's Jay White? <laughs> like, 
I did the same. I did the same thing to my wife. I said like she came into the room just as MJF was about to talk. I was like, I need to listen to yeah. this. So yeah, it's it's one of my favorite. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite things. But I have to pee. Okay, congrats. Okay, we'll see you when you come back. I think. Um, one of the interesting uh, last part of this story that's kind of interesting was actually Juice Robinson uh, announcing that he's going to be in that battle royal for the diamond and uh, the dynamite diamond ring. Uh, Josh, you think he's uh, basically he's probably the front runner to win it at this point as being the first announced? I mean, I guess do the, does the winner? How does it work? Does MJF have to face the winner? Is that how that works, or is it just going to be a new person? No, the, like you just, you just, they just give him a ring for winning it. I don't think they actually have to face. I, I, I can't remember if they get a title shot out of it. I think they, they might. Um, obviously, I think if Juice Robinson's going to get a title shot out of it, I don't think he's going to win it. Um, oh no! I just think second command in that group. I'm just asking because, like, he was kind of saying like he's coming for that ring. So does he take the ring from MJF and MJF's no longer that diamond, di- dynamite diamond ring winner? Or is MJF just like, is it like the king of the ring where, you know, it gets a new person every year? New person every year. From there's no, They don't pass the ring around. MJF's actually won it twice. They gave him two rings at one point. I think so, that Juice Robinson's yeah. definitely in the finals just because, like, why would you have him say that if he's not making the finals? It's kind it's of like he's royal. calling his shot. Oh, right, I guess. Oh, it's a battle royal. Okay. Well, then, he, I say he's in the final two, and maybe MJF comes up and comes out and fucks him, or he wins, and he gets to rub it in MJF's face. But, you know, uh, Jay White is feuding with uh, MJF right now, so it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's just part of this story. I, I could see Juice Robinson winning it. Is he the guy that should win it? I'm not sure. There's, there's a lot of people that could. Um, I like it on a heel, though, because then they can use it forever to hit people with. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you're looking at kind of a lot of stuff, there's like we're just talking with Chris. There's a lot of untold stuff in this story that's kind of going through. We still don't know the devil mask. We're still waiting on that. Hopefully that's going to be rectified or at least have some inclinations of what's going to happen uh, at least by the end of the uh, the pay-per-view when we watch uh, full year, right? Like that's really important. So um, normally I'd probably, I might have usually closed with the Bullet Club because I thought it was really good, but we're actually here closed because we actually have the main event of Dynamite um, for our last topic was basically Adam Copeland versus uh, everybody's favorite dinosaur, Luchasaurus, um, in the main event of, uh, of basically Dynamite. And, um, you know, a lot of really good stuff in this match that went through. I don't think it was the best match of the night, but definitely still pretty surreal to see edge on AEW programming and AEW television especially in a main event on AEW, right um so going back to our opening topic this was what a lot of wwe fans were throwing out they were saying AEW couldn't close even with you know one of our best wrestlers um on that program which was pretty stupid now um this chris you said it best i think you said that this match and the end of this really kind of looked a lot like wcw nitro uh, but I'm going to kick it off a little differently. Um, do you think that this is one of Christian's best lines when he said, I'm not their leader, I'm their father? That's the difference. What are your thoughts on that quote? Yeah, 100%. I think I think Christian's doing such good work. And I, I think people are sleeping on Edge coming to AEW, thinking he's not going to be a, a big draw. Edge hasn't been in another business for, for 20 years. Like, we're going to actually be able to see Edge kind of, like, put his own thoughts in, in, into stuff. And he's he's going to do that with his best best friend, Jay, or Christian. And, and like, this is some of the... Even MJF said this is, like, some of the... This is the one of the best runs of Christian's career. Like, Christian can go out there. He introed us to Title Tuesday and told us that the 30 minutes of commercial free is because of him. Cause he's the T- TV TVS champion. And he told that asshole to start the show. Like <laughs> TNT champion or TNT <laughs> champion. Yeah. yeah. Like but like, if, if you don't like that, then like, this is like, this is guys on their last run where this is the last chance we're going to see them where they finally get a chance to like have some creative control over their own characters. And it's, it's going to be great. And like you were saying with the, like, like when do we just start watching wrestling together and, and like now's the time for sure i mean nothing brings people together like watching wrestling and i think josh i gave chris a quote i'll give you the next quote okay um christian actually said to edge i have a lot of fans around the world in fact i know your wife beth is a huge fan and then basically went on a rant about his wife for three minutes um 
we, we already know that this is probably Christian Cage's best work. Um, but when you're looking at that, like Christian really wasn't even in this match. And I think his presence was really felt, obviously, with what Chris was saying with the Edge and Christian relationship and, and all that stuff going through. Now, my I'm going to kind of take this away from Chris because I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on it because I've heard Chris's thoughts. Um, when you got to the end of the match, all of a sudden, we just saw a clusterfuck of people in there. We saw... Um, basically, we saw Blackpool Combat Club in there. We saw Mo- Mogul, the, like the Mogul Embassy in there. We saw everybody in there. Um, and I thought, I personally thought it was really unique. I didn't have like a nitro feel with it. I just, it really like for me, one of the things that we didn't talk about tonight, which kind of want to bring up, was basically Swerve and Danielson because I thought that was the best match of the night, and I was really there was a lot of hype behind that match. Um, the only reason I thought. It, when we're kind of reviewing the topics, why we've been talking about Swerve and, and him a lot. So I think we want to give some more airtime to some other people, but um, I think we're going to see some pretty big things moving forward with Bullet Club, or sorry, not Bullet Club, but uh, the Blackpool Combat Club and the Mogul Embassy with what we're seeing. Um, so how did you feel about everybody getting involved? Do you think the storyline is going to keep going with, uh, with all, all these different groups? I'll let Chris answer something. Yeah, I just need to jump in to say everyone take a drink because McPherson texted me and said it feels like I just watched Nitro after that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, did you feel it was like Nitro at that point or do you think it was it's something different and and something that's going to be something like, I mean, there's one thing if it's 90s Nitro, Chris, if it's 2000s Nitro, we can't watch it anymore. Like, I mean, I, last thing I want to see is somebody get blood poured in the ring and then completely miss. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, so it's funny because I wasn't a Nitro guy. Uh, I was a, I was definitely Attitude Era, uh, WWE all in back then. Um, so, I mean, it kind of... It was all kind of sloppy. It's hard because because Adam Copeland's just joining, so you're like, okay, where where are his alliances? And it's kind of uh, interesting to see all the stories play out. I, I don't know if it was necessary, um, but I guess it kind of you know gives you a little bit of a like, okay, this is where things are going to go with all the stories all at once. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. It it, it felt it. It kind of took away from me from a little bit, but I think it was just like, I don't know if it was weird, but did, for some reason, did it, did Dynamite really run long or was it just that there was a delay in my feed because I felt like Dynamite was on to like 1018 and it kept on going. I was like, they're just starting the match right now. And it was like five to 10 and I was surprised with how long the match went, went, but uh, yeah, I, it's interesting for me, but I, I don't know. I, I like, I, I liked the Swerve Strickland Brian Danielson match as well, but I actually wish that it would have went the other way. I, I wish that the interference would have caused uh, Danielson to lose because I, I'm actually wanting to see Swerve Strickland move up the ladder a little bit more, and I think a loss actually hurts him, especially a clean loss, and those are the only types of losses he can take as a heel anyway. So. I think there's only like two people that you could really lose to that will never be like a, a spot that would really be a loss uh, in, in that scenario. And it might even be a third there. But I think when you're looking at that company, I think you're looking at Danielson and Omega. And I think if you ever lose to those two guys, I, I don't think it's ever going to kind of push you back. I don't think it's ever going to really hurt Swerve because Swerve is going to do something that's going to kind of go over the top of that loss. Like he's going to kind of attack Danielson or do something crazy. And the best part of the thing I love about the whole Swerve against the Blackpool Combat Club is that it's going to prove what we've been saying all the way through is that he doesn't give a shit. He's not scared of anybody. And he's basically has no regard for human life. And he's going to do whatever he can to beat the living shit. Like I think he's going to do something. He's going to beat up Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta so bad that that's going to be the the scapegoat in this. Josh, go ahead. Do you think that could be the next war games? Like, do you think that Swerve has a big enough, like a good enough uh, posse to do a war games with Black, Black Blackpool Combat Club? I don't think he does, but I think like could that be the next war games? Is like Blackpool Combat Club can play the face or the heel, but you're going to need another group of five. I just don't know if like brian cage uh and then the other two are strong enough like they're not big enough to to do war brian games, cage should be huge enough he, oh. he should have gotten way more opportunities than he gets yeah well you know what i think and, and some people argue the other side chris too they say that brian cage has had all the opportunities has never been able to run with it it's just it's that the timing's been bad like they gave him the run and impact that he needed 
Uh, the problem was nobody was watching Impact. Like, that was the problem. Like, just bad timing. And I, I have to agree with you, Josh. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's Stadium Stampede in, in AEW for, like, that War Game style five-on-five match. Or um, what's the other one they do? Anarchy in the Arena? Is that what it is? Like, that'd be crazy, too. Um, I think one of the things I really like about it is I think, like, the Mogul Embassy could have the whole team, and then you just need that fifth member. But that fifth member, for me, kind of what you were saying, because... The two, the two, the Tongan tag team that's in ROH, they're big boys and they're hired hands, but nobody knows who they are. And that's, that's, that's part of the problem there, right? So if you can get a fifth guy that really stands out, then you could really go against the Blackpool Combat Club um, with Moxley, um, Wheeler Yuta, and Danielson. And then you could throw in like Christian and Luchasaurus or something along those lines. So. Maybe the Mogul Embassy guy, maybe it's Edge. Maybe Edge goes against the other two and they just pick sides and that's your 10 guys, right? Like, it it, it could get to that point. And I think something like that would be really, really crazy um, to see. And I think that would be um, a Blood and Guts match or whatever it is, man. Whatever you want to call it. Like, Blood and Guts is the War Games match, I guess. I don't know. There's like thousands. That's of what it is, Blood and Guts. Blood and Guts. I think Blood and Guts would be crazy, or even Anarchy in the Arena would. Be I miss I miss the hired guns, hired gun stories where you just bring somebody in who's who's just a massive beast to your team. I miss those stories, like where yeah, where like it doesn't oh, have great. to make sense. He's just a giant, massive, strong guy. Who ran over Stone Cold? It was Rikishi. <laughs> Fucking was Rikishi, man. <laughs> Oh, good times. Fucking crazy. Anyways, that basically is going to sum up what we got going on. But before we leave, we got uh, we got our basically our local um, meat man. Josh, basically, what slices your salami? Okay. Um, so because we're a pro AEW or more of an AEW one, I like to do AEW slices my salami because there's some things that they could improve on. So you know what really slices my salami? When AEW has local talent on television. We were talking about their roster being massive last week. And the fact that they're going to waste television time with local talent is just an atrocity against their program. They have so many people that they could put in those matches that would give them TV time, even if they have to take a loss. You know, it's not going to be that detrimental to put people like Griff Garrison or, you know, like anybody who had been sitting on dark or dark elevation. Why, why you'd have local talent, I get why you'd have them for, like, the undercard or the dark matches, but to have them on television... That's what really slices my salami. The guy on Wednesday night had a mullet. It's or just unnecessary. Whatever they did on Collision, he had a mullet. So unnecessary. Their roster's too big to be having guys that you've never heard of on their fucking uh, show. It gets them paid and, and they get a chance, to cut them though. now, right? Like, I, I, I not, don't disagree, but I think you give them a dark match and then they get the same thing. It's just that, like, to not get TV spot for your wrestlers who you're, like, actually invested in doesn't make any sense to me that's it that's it's just my opinion i think we, us three should go fight for the trios title and then get the titles i think we do good we do great no we can only have two big men but we can only have one big man and uh there's three of us so <laughs> <laughs> let's see let's that's see who can do I, a kip I, up uh, first <laughs> i can barely do a, a roll up i can barely get out of kip bed <laughs> yeah round is need- it round is a shape yeah, I gotta fucking I, I I gotta get myself some momentum to get out of bed. The two things, the two sayings that'll haunt you as a big guy: round is a shape, and purple is a fruit. Those pizza. All right, <laughs> pizza pizza is a fruit as well. Well, Josh, anything else that you'd like to add before we conclude? I'm good. Chris, anything else for you, sir? Anything that you'd like to bring up or add in? I know that uh, you were mentioning Josh Alexander earlier. If you want to kind of uh, give a spot to that, yeah, I'll give I'll give Project X Wrestling a shout out. Um, I think Mrs. Sharp and I are going to go to it's on November third, and Jenny's birthday is on the sixth. But uh, I think we're going to go to a wrestling event at the Caruso Club, and. Uh, Josh Alexander is going to be there, which is uh, I'm pretty pretty fucking excited to see him live. To be honest with you, um, yeah. So that's that's going to be pretty cool. We'll be in VIP again. 
Uh, Magna McLaren talked to me. He said the beast is going to be there. He tried to put a serpent on my wife last time I went to a show. So uh, she only likes my trouser serpent. So we'll see what happens. There. <laughs> oh, there's Matt's favorite little Jesus. favorite little guy that we don't know if it's a girl or a boy. Hey, Dakota. That's the best cat. I, I'd grab my cat, but she's like 21 pounds, and I don't know where she is. But I have nothing really add. I'd just like to say if we don't uh, we don't get there, and I'm going to say it on the podcast, happy birthday to Jenny Sharp. So happy birthday, Jenny. Hey, Do Matt. Do you have something to add? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say I'm going to eventually get a shirts for the pod, and I think I want to get one that says, well, with that being said, Oh, that'd be a good one. Oh, that's I a good one. That, a that, with that being said, or on the back, no, okay, we can have our that. logo on the front on the and the back. With that being said, yeah, yeah. Well, with that being said, and then <laughs> oh, fuck. here we go. Now let's be self-conscious with talking for the rest of it being a host. That's great. Now to finish that up. Well, with that being said, wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all bid you adieu from the Rub Wrestling Podcast. Guns up. Bang! Because the beat's running, copacetic. When it all falls down, I hope you don't forget it. Nico City, son of anarchy, the hype the man in me. Mikey damage, show you amateurs, the cost of vanity. So fuck humanity, flowy murder, open-handedly. Most of my clique, yo, they come from broken families. The world that been open is coming to a closure. Can't find peace in the